Welcome to the Supplement Engineer Podcast. My name is Robert Shinesky. Rejoining the show, a fan and family favorite of the podcast, Mr. Matt Shifley, Red Delta Project. Matt, thank you for joining us. This is your third time, maybe fourth time on the podcast. I don't know. I love having you on the show. I'm a big fan of the channel. Uh, you know, I've been watching you for years. I, there's, there's no secret about that. It's, I just, everything, your, your knowledge, the, the delivery, everything, I'm a big fan. And so thank you for always taking time to do the show, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for the kind words, Robert. I'm really excited to be back and update on all the new developments and things that I've been working on. been making a lot of big strides here on all of my projects and really excited for what I've got to share with you. Outstanding. So let me, we'll get the simple questions out of the way first. What's the best way to build muscle? Machines, free weights, or body weight? Whatever you like <laughs> to do. <laughs> Whatever you like to do. But there is a bit of a formula because yeah. it, a lot of what I approach is that personal preference needs to play a very key role in any approach to fitness because there's just no getting around the fact that if we want to achieve something significant, we need to adopt habits that we can maintain with as little effort as possible for very long periods of time. And that's not to say they're going to be easy, but anything that makes uh, a habit harder to maintain is just going to be a strike against your ability to get what you want. Right. So having ability to choose a preference of, well, if you like free weights, do free weights, you like body weight, do body weight kind of thing. But that doesn't give you complete free, clear, like carte blanche of like, I could do anything and so forth. Not, yeah. not necessarily. When it comes specifically to building muscle, we want to be using exercises that obviously are progressively challenging for the muscle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, stuff like shape weights or something are <laughs> completely out. So you want to have progressive resistance, but you also want to use exercises that don't have too much of a uh, challenge uh, component to it of skill work. And this is mm -hmm. kind of where I differ a little bit in my approach to calisthenics training, because when we're working an exercise and our muscles are working, what we are trying to do is make the muscle hold progressively more tension in the muscle yeah. and or just being able to really push the time that it can hold the tension. And a lot of times people get that like, oh, so I got to do like a hundred pushups or I got to do, no. What it means is that when your muscle starts getting tired, you can still keep pushing and harder and grinding and it's burning and it's screaming and you can still keep going. Yeah. But when we use exercises that break down technically under fatigue very quickly, uh, not only is that potentially uh, more risky to the joints, like if mm -hmm. you're doing things like uh, if you're new to Olympic lifting or something, I'm just pulling that out, but sometimes in calisthenics world, your technique starts to erode a little bit. The risk of injury can start to go up because you need like structural support. So if your fatigue in the muscle is breaking down technique and your ability to do the exercise entirely, then it's not quite as conducive. Of course, you could still build muscle. As long as you're progressively yeah. working muscle, it'll get the job done. Right. But we want exercises that are relatively easy to progressively work muscle. So that's why I use in the calisthenics world, particularly things that I like to refer to as like high intensity, but low skill. I don't want to have to struggle with stability and balance when I'm working my legs. That's why I'll have my hands on a, a bar or rings mm -hmm. or something when doing single leg work. I don't want to have something like a handstand, a freestanding handstand where I'm like, oh, I'm losing my balance. I got to fall, you know, kind of thing. I mm -hmm. want things that even when my muscles are screaming bloody murder, 
I'm still safe and I'm still very confident in my ability to eke out a few more repetitions. Right. And whether you take that a philosophy to calisthenics or bands or free weights, machines or whatever, that's the type of like formula for an ideal quote unquote exercise that's probably going to help you stand the best chance of creating a stimulus for hypertrophy. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And I knew I was kind of set, like, I knew where you were going to go with that. Cause about two weeks ago, you released a video on the free weights or machine stuff. I thought, all right, let's just, let's go with one of those, you know, one of those kind of fun <laughs> questions because everybody loves these black and white answers. And then within fitness nutrition, I mean, even like in the, the supplement realm, it's, it, there's a lot of gray. There, it's not like this works, this doesn't, this will never, or this is the only way to do it. That it doesn't work that way. There's, there's so many, you know, considerations, as you mentioned. Uh, sure. Affect adherence, excitability, motivation. Because you know the thing I always say is, I can give you the most perfectly tailored workout plan, diet plan, like thing that's you know precise down to your genomic and phenotype and all that. It doesn't matter. Like if you hate doing it, your commitment to it, consistency, effort, it's all going to be suboptimal. So who cares if how optimal a program or a diet is? If if you're if it's not jiving with you, then it doesn't really matter a whole heck of a lot one way or the other. 100%. Because really, it, it comes down to also our ability to just push ourselves. You know, unless you've got a drill sergeant yelling in your ear, or some mm -hmm. sort of an external motivation factor, like, I've got to be able to do this unless or else, you know, I'm going to fail this PT test and lose my livelihood. Most of us don't have that much of an external motivating drive yeah. to make ourselves push ourselves. So we want to use things for whatever reason, it's like, I just feel like I can push myself harder doing this, whatever yeah. that is. For me, that was calisthenics. For some people, it's like, I just push myself a lot harder if I'm outdoors. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, great. Whatever that is, be honest with yourself. Because if there's an exercise that someone's like, this is the best thing in the world and stuff. And you just can't get that emotional drive going. Yeah. And you're like, I just can't really seem to push it. Mm -hmm. but you do something that's seemingly less, but you're like, I could drive it really hard. That's probably the best thing for you as an individual. Right. Have you ever messed around as far as in the calisthenics realm of exercise? Have you ever messed around with pegboards at all? It's like my brother started getting into woodworking and he's like a monkey when it comes to pull-ups. Like he's born to live on a bar and just do endless amounts of pull-ups. And so he started, you know, and he's built a, a peg ball, peg, peg board on his wall and he's working on the second edition to it now and just you know i don't know if have you ever messed around with that um or tried that lot. or anything like that we had a pegboard in gym class when i was in grade school mm -hmm. and i always wondered what it was and then i saw someone using it and it was like oh my gosh it's like watching captain america use yeah. this darn thing it was insane and we actually have a pegboard at one of the gyms that i just started working at several mm -hmm. months ago and i'm like ah, pegboard i gotta try it out and i still haven't tried it out probably because I'm a little intimidated by it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very similar to like rope climbs and the fact that you transfer your weight to one arm yeah. uh, at a time and stuff, and you've got to have control and stuff. It, it looks like a fun challenge. Yeah, they, they are like your hands burn. It's like you get sore in places you forgot existed. Um, I've only done it a handful of times and it's just, it's, I'm not built for that or I haven't worked hard enough to be able to even like even be remotely decent at it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's fun. Um, so over the years, we've kind of recapped and touched on the various training programs. So you had muscle triad revolution, you've had grind style calisthenics, you've had uh, the micro workouts, you've had the isometrics. What's next in store for you? What are you working on now that you're experimenting with? So one of the things that I'm experimenting with now is just a different type of uh, workout format. It's still kind of in the grind style calisthenics approach, 
but I've been doing a lot of experimenting lately with the idea of limiting oneself to two sets of an exercise, two working sets of an exercise. And the reason why I'm kind of adopting this a little bit now is one, as a coach and a trainer, uh, a lot of the, my clients seem to really like it and prefer mm-hmm. it. Uh, and it also helps to really have that drive. I'm really getting interested in how do we make ourselves feel like we can push ourselves harder. And usually in the past, I've been more of an open-ended approach with how many sets you do, because I've long believed, like, do as many sets as necessary to get the job done. Like, don't say, I have to do this many sets. You don't want to limit yourself, but you also Mm -hmm. don't want to be like, I need to do 10 sets of this body part today. It's like, well, if you got the job done in five, don't add on the junk volume. Correct. So what I've been doing is implementing a strategy where I'll take an exercise and and warm up maybe with a light version of it or something Mm -hmm. just to kind of get things going. But then I'll give myself two working sets on that exercise. So, for example, today I had, you know, my archer style push ups. Mm -hmm. And the reason for the two sets is because there is this motivation to get a lot out of those two sets. If you're open-ended or if you're like, okay, German volume training, let's go, 10 sets of 10 kind of thing, there's definitely the tendency to pace ourselves a bit and save a little bit in the tank. But when you know, I've got two chances at this, I got two shots, that's all I've got, then it kind of holds your feet to the proverbial fire of, yeah, I know you would have stopped at this point, I know your muscles are burning, but dude, you got to make it happen now. It's now or never. You know, the chips are down. You got to keep going and pushing. Mm-hmm. And it helps to break out of that pace yourself, hold a little back kind of mentality with those two, especially when you're on that last one. You're like, well, that's all you got. But the other aspect of the program that I have is I'll tell people, okay, you do like your dips or something, two sets, great. And that's a great micro workout right there. If you're short on time and you're short on energy and stuff and you're like, I just need something real quick to get the job done, boom, two working sets, you're done. You definitely still got something done if you really pushed it. But the idea then is what if I want more volume? It's like, great, awesome, definitely get more volume, just not that one exercise for the tension chain, the Mm -hmm. muscle group. I work in what I call tension chains. So after dips, for example, you're like, yeah, but I still want to hit things. Okay, good. Now you could do another uh, you can get more for your chest and shoulders and triceps, but it has to be a different exercise. And again, it's two sets. So instead of dips, let's say we're moving on to like uh, overhead presses or mm-hmm. handstands or whatever. Okay, great. Still pushing. Okay, still chest, shoulders, triceps. Still the same muscles are working. Mm-hmm. But now you're getting more volume on those muscles, but you're changing the Uh, angles, you're changing the speed, you're changing the rep ranges, you're changing enough about the exercise that you're creating an additional stimulus in addition for what you already did. Mm -hmm. So if you have the choice of, well, I did four sets of dips or I did two sets of dips and two sets of pull up of um, like handstand pushups, what you've effectively in theory done is you still have the same amount of volume, but you probably have more intensity because you've got two chances to make something work. You're probably going to push yourself harder with both exercises. Plus you're getting two exercises mm-hmm. working, not different muscles because it's a little bit of a old wives tale, 
But you are working different angles. You are working different speeds. You're changing your body's direction to gravity and a whole host of other uh, differences. So you're cutting back on the redundancy of your training, which the more redundant your training is, the more work you put in for a less of a rate of diminishing return. Mm -hmm. So on that fourth dip, we could theoretically say, yeah, but are you really getting much more out of that fourth set of the dips from the first set? Are you really telling your body anything new or different? Eh, Probably not. But with that fourth set, that fourth set's going to be a lot harder. You've got fatigue built up mentally. You may be starting to get bored with the exercise, whole host of things. So basically the cost of the training is going up. The productivity is going down to a degree. Yeah, But when we change it to different exercises, mentally, it gives you something new. I'm like, oh, good. This is a new toy to play with. Mm-hmm. It's changing what you're doing. It's changing your neural, neural activation. It's changing a whole host of things. So even though you're getting similar volume, there's enough difference there that you're probably still becoming very productive in the workout. Mm-hmm. So you're putting in as much effort, maybe even a little bit less in some regards, but you're getting more out of it. And so that's kind of the new strength training protocol that I've been adopting lately is you can take a a muscle group, but you only two sets per exercise. That's all you're going to get. And if you want more volume, you have to do different exercises for that group. And it's made my training and all my clients tell me the exact same thing. They're like, it's so much more fun. It's more refreshing. I can really push myself a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's still a lot of volume, but it doesn't feel like it's just redundant counting reps. Uh, It's just a lot more fun to do and more effective. So that's the new thing that I've been working on that I'm really excited about. Cool. The um, Yeah, I've always enjoyed more like exercise variety in my training sessions in general than like if I don't want to do an ultra minimal program where I'm doing five sets of pull-ups, five sets of dips, and then I'll do five sets of inverted rows and five sets of push-ups. I just, but like you said, by that third, fourth set, like it, it's, it's boredom starts to like, you're, you're either leaving too much in the tank and you're, cause you want to save yourself for those final set of reps or like I, I'm tired of doing pull-ups after the third. Like I, don't, I, want, I want something different, either change the grip or do something like that. So I, I, I like this kind of mindset training too. Um, with the first set of this two set protocol, are you going to like an RPE nine or 10 or are you staying, are you like, are you keeping two to three in the tank? Um, and then say like really just maxing out on that final set or are you, are you pushing both sets pretty much to like a nine or a 10 on the RPE or, you know, one or two reps in reserve or zero. Yeah. I'm pushing pretty zero hard. Reps in pushing reps in pretty, pretty hard. And one of the benefits of this approach is that it's really easy to log. Uh, because yeah. you got on my workout log, you don't have set after set after set after set that you got to look at. Or, you know, if, you know, if you wrote down like, okay, I've got 10 repetitions eight times, like, well, those weren't all the same. Like some sets were easier, some were hard. What's the difference? Yep. So what the way I log things is I just write the number I get in each set down. So if I have a nine and then next to it, I have a 10 on my workout log. That means two sets. I got nine on the first, I got 10 on the second. So what basically this means is you're only gonna have two numbers for the mm-hmm. exercise. And if you're really pushing, they're either gonna be the same or different. So if the first one is lower mm-hmm. and the second one is higher, then that tells me I probably didn't push as hard as I could have on the first one. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that I was just still warming up in that second one. And this is where you got to be honest. That second one, you're like, yeah, but that felt like now I'm ready to go. If that's the case, I'm like, great. Give yourself another set. 
Because again, yeah. it's not two sets, it's two work sets. Right. So if on that last one, you're like, oh, now I'm ready to go. And like, okay, give yourself another one. That first one was a warm up set. Yeah. Because ideally what should happen is you do the exercise for one set, you get like nine, 10, 12, whatever. Second one is around that ballpark. And the third one, it's just, it just drops off. You're like, right. oh gosh, you know, half of what I got. You're trying to fast fatigue. So if the first one's lower, second one's higher, it could be that. It could also mean I didn't push as hard. So on the next workout, you're trying to bump up the number of reps in that first set. Mm -hmm. That's, it tells you immediately which one was lower. That's what you need to do to improve. Or uh, a lot of times, ideally, it's the first one was higher. Like let's say you get 12 on the dips and then the, the second set is nine. Okay, good. So the next time you do it, you get 12. Even if you can do more, you limit to 12. Right. And then you have that, what I call the backfilling strategy, where you spill over the energy into the last set to try and make them even again. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that way you're building up from there. And then finally, of course, if you have both of them the same, that tells me, okay, you could probably get a little bit more on the first one or the second one or something along those lines. Yeah. So you're going to have one of those three scenarios. And in either case, you're getting clear, definitive instructions on what you need to do next time in order to make progress. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um, and then within a, a given training session, mm -hmm. how many exercise, let's, let's, I guess, we'll use the example you have with the push chain. So you've got your dips, you do your two sets of dips, you do your two sets of shoulder presses or you know, pike push-ups, whatever you're gonna do. Are you gonna do a third compound pushing exercise or are you gonna go to more of a, an isolation like the, the face, like the body weight skull crushers? You could do either, but it, honestly, like if you're, if you're going down to the three, like there's only so many compound movement patterns you can engage in. Uh, yeah. And typically we have horizontal and vertical pushing and pulling. Right. So generally if I'm doing compound movements, it's horizontal to vertical or vertical to horizontal. Mm -hmm. And after that, you're like, I guess I got it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you can also switch it up from bilateral to unilateral where you're using one limb. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also change the rep range or the resistance a lot. So you could do like weighted dips and you're getting like a couple sets of six really mm -hmm. heavy, uh, relatively heavy. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to do like plyo, you know, explosive pushups and I'm going to try and get 15 of those. Yeah. So you really want to make a big change theoretically of what you're doing and how you're doing it. But right. yeah, the isolated or the single joint stuff is a great way to change things up. That's a lot of fun. That's what I did today. As a matter of fact, I had my archer pushups. Mm -hmm. I got a couple sets of like eight to 10. And then I did chest flies and tricep extensions uh, on a bar. Mm -hmm. So I switched up kind of the, the difference there. And again, same chain. That's the beautiful mm -hmm. thing of looking at things in chain. So chest flies is push chain. It's working the chest. You know, yeah. push-ups, push chain, push chain. So you have a number of exercises within that category of the chain. And you just like on a menu, you know, I'll have one of those and I'll have a couple of those and I'll have some of those. And yeah. it makes it fun and it makes it uh, kind of a little more flexible mm -hmm. and free form. And also gives you the ability to just be more flexible with what your body can do. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, today, like I did my push-ups and I guess I really fried my triceps or something because I did my chest flies. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And I tried to do my tricep and my right arm was just like not having it. It was yeah. like achy. There was a little bit of a tweak there. I'm like, mm, nope, not today. So I just stuck with the chest flies. I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep with the chest flies here. Yeah. And then I did, you know, some shoulder work as, as well. Some Y flies up here on the 
like a suspension straps to get the shoulders a bit more. So it makes it more fun and flexible and playful as well. With people that maybe have come from a more traditional like bodybuilder bro style style of training where you're doing 14, 16, 20 sets on a workout and then they come to work with you and you're getting them down to maybe like the example you had between six and eight sets and that was all, uh, all your workout was for that day. Maybe you threw some abs in there or something else afterwards, mm-hmm. but do you ever have them, do they ever struggle say, Matt, this isn't enough volume or I feel like I'm not doing enough compared to what I was before or did, you know, how do you help them navigate those, you know, concerns that they may have? Yeah, it's, it, to a degree, it's kind of also a personalized thing. Mm-hmm. Some people, they're marathon runners and some people are sprinters. And sometimes it depends a lot on what the person's done in their history. Like if I sit down with someone and I'm like, well, what did you do for activity? And they're like, I ran the 200 meter, I played football, you know, and I was uh, doing, you know, high intensity kettlebell work or, or something like Tabata workouts are my favorites. Like, okay, if I gave you a volume thing, you're just going to burn out real fast because you have that ability to crush right out of the gate and burn yourself out. So endurance work's not going to be your strong suit. Uh, yeah. So that would be fine for it. But if I get someone who's like, I played soccer and I ran cross country and I just completed a challenge where I had to do 500 pushups a day and all this other, it's like you're, their ability to push themselves with the intensity to burn out quickly, mm-hmm. they haven't really developed that very much. And so yeah. when someone's got a lot of volume training in their history and I'm like, okay, we got two sets of this. And after those two sets, they're like, I'm barely even warming up. It's like, we, we need to develop the ability to, again, hold their feet to the proverbial fire and be like, dude, you no, you don't have a next time. You have to get it now. You yeah. have to really sprint. And they get it pretty quick with that two set limit. And if they're like, I've really got to push it. And a lot of folks, they just don't understand what that's like, how that feels mm-hmm. to push that hard. They're mm-hmm. used to thinking, okay, I just did... 500 push-ups all day. That was really intense. Like not in the classic sense of what intensity is. No, Uh, you went out for a leisurely jog and you ran 20 miles. I need you to sprint up this hill as hard as you possibly can. And it's just a different mindset. It's a skill that's to be learned. And this is a good way to learn it. But again, you get the flexibility with adding extra exercises to kind of get more volume if you need it. So it's like, okay, two sets of dips. That's all I get? Yes two sets of dips. Don't worry. If you're still needing more, we'll get more, but it's going to be a different exercise. Yeah. It's going to be something else. So this way you can still change the volume the muscles are being subjected to in the workout, but it's yeah. also saying, but we got to go with intensity. And that's yeah. why I like this program is like with grind style calisthenics, it's a way to potentially combine intensity and volume at the same time. Because right. most other programs are like, you can have volume, but you can't have intensity. Or you can have a lot of intensity, but you can't have volume. And right. most people are really good at pushing themselves in one or the other. Mm-hmm. And this gives us the ability to develop both, which mm-hmm. uh, allows us to grow in a more holistic way. Yeah. Oh, you. We both have a background in Taekwondo, doing that growing up. I'm not sure how your teacher ran the classes but ours was basically like every class i'm trying to drive your ass into the ground like you're going to do so many <laughs> punches kicks combinations all of that stuff and then after that we're going to have sparring so it was like every time every monday wednesday and friday you were floored 
And so does that, does that how your teacher kind of carried things out? And is that, does that shape how you kind of approach resistance training sessions these days? Cause that still affects me. Like I have to feel like I am <laughs> gassed at the end of a workout to feel like I've done anything productive. And I, I understand that's counterproductive at times to, to the mm -hmm. goals, but like that, that intensity kind of mindset of you've got to be sucking wind, especially on like leg day. It's got to be that way. No questions about it. Right. Not really. Uh, I've, I've now belonged to three different Taekwondo schools and mm -hmm. the, objective for each one was this is what we're trying to teach you and the volume and intensity is going to fall wherever it needs to fall in order for you to learn the lesson yeah. we're not here to to work you hard and that was one of the reasons why i got frustrated with taekwondo from a fitness standpoint because if our instructor wanted to give us a five minute lecture on how to do a sidekick and we would be on the wall doing very slow sidekicks and barely breaking a sweat for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's what he's going to have you do because we're not here for a workout. We're here to learn to do a better sidekick. Yeah. And then we would have days where it's like, okay, free sparring. We got to get your conditioning up. There's your punching bag, two minutes, kill. And you just go crazy on and stuff. 30 second rest. Are you ready? No, good. Go, <laughs> ah, you know, kind of thing. So it was yeah. all over the place. So when, I got into bike racing. One mm -hmm. of the things I loved about bike racing was that I could just go out and always give myself a good workout. Yeah. You know, or I could change how long I rode. I could climb, go up App Gap, which was a big hill uh, in Vermont and stuff. If I wanted mm -hmm. to crush myself, I could. Versus in Taekwondo, I didn't have that control. And that's one of the things I love. But I did take the lesson. Uh, from the Taekwondo training of the point of the workout isn't to crush you though. It's yeah. not to work hard. It's to learn a lesson. It's to get your body to be good at something. Right. And sometimes that's not going to crush you. And other times yeah. it will, but it's it's done in the necessity of the lesson, not I'm yeah. just going to drive you into the ground and cross our fingers and hope you learn something. Yeah. And I guess, I guess maybe I'm looking at it more from like when you're in the advanced, like when you're brown, red, black belts, when you've got those, like they push the intensity up. like when you're in the early stages of white, orange, green, blue, and like that middle blue belt range, the, mm -hmm. the intensity out there, like you said, you're going to focus more on the actual technique, learning it. And cause it was the, the progression was, you know, learn technique, then you can start worrying about kicking stronger Then you worry about speed. It's like, you've got to get the technique because if you go hard and fast at something, it doesn't really matter if you have sloppy technique, it's not going to do mm -hmm. much anyway. So you've got to nail that technique first. So I guess my question was, I guess, coming on it more from when you're in the more advanced stages of your, uh, yeah. of Taekwondo. So, yeah. In, in the school I had in Vermont, uh, we combined everything. So we had conditioning yeah. drills, every class we had this, every class, the yeah. school that I'm at here in Colorado, uh, it's like every couple, two to three months, there's some big event coming up mm -hmm. and a lot of the class is geared towards getting you ready for that event, cool. be it a tournament or a, uh, or a testing mm -hmm. or something like a, a buddy of mine is testing for a second degree black belt tonight. And so a lot of the class was dedicated towards getting them ready for their testing and me basically being a punching bag for what he needs to do and stuff. So a lot of what we do out here is uh, this is what we got coming up. Okay, we're going to gear the class towards what do you need in order to do this event to the best of yeah. your ability? And yeah, sometimes if it was a tournament coming up, it's like we're going to free spar you into the ground because you've yeah. got to be ready for that. But 
that tournament finished and we haven't done hardly any free sparring since. It's like, well, <laughs> you've got this other thing coming up. We got to focus on this. So it was kind of teach to the test sort of deal. Gotcha. Do you still compete or is it more are you just practicing for the love of the sport and not the art of Taekwondo? Yeah, I've always done it for the, the art and the, the practice itself. I was never very competitive. Yeah, and uh, the, the tournaments out here are much more regulated and, and structured. And mm -hmm. I did one several months ago, and that was a lot of fun. In Vermont, they were all just helter-skelter, like, oh, you're a kung fu guy. Great, come on in. Why not? You know, kind of thing. It's so an open tournament was, style, yeah. Yeah, I was like, whoa, I don't know what I'm doing here. Okay, whatever. Uh, but uh, out here, I did a tournament. It was fun. It was um, – but uh, I've never gotten a whole excitement about tournaments, uh, largely because of uh, the subjectivity of the competitions. Like you get up there, you do your pattern and stuff, and it's like, well, I don't know, what do you think? Who won? Well, I like that guy. Okay, that guy's good. You know, racing is a different story. You cross right. the line first, you win. End of discussion. Doesn't matter what other people think. Yeah. But I never liked the subjectivity of judge sports, like gymnastics and ice skating and stuff. Like someone's like, yeah. oh, I'll give them a high score. It's like, what based on like it, your your opinion is holding this person's success in line? I don't like that. I want it to be very kind of clear and defined. Like, did you win or not? No, good. Okay, go home. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just I've always like you said. I, I like doing it for the sake of doing it and learning all the skills that come with it. And just I mean, I, I grew up loving Ninja Turtles, Karate Kid, all the Chuck Norris movies and stuff. Uh, just mm -hmm. you want to learn how to do that stuff, and so that's where. It, I really enjoy just the act of kind of like going through the motions of practice. So whenever tournament time rolled around, I thought, okay, I'll do it. But that was more of like the teacher saying, Hey, let's go do this. It'll be good. And just, I, I just, I loved showing up for, for, you know, classes each week and, and kind of going about it that way. That yeah. the, the practice more than the actual uh, performance, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and it's... have you ever thought about opening your own school? No, that's uh, my own gym, my own school and stuff. Yeah. That was never, something I've had any interest in. Um, I've just known too many people who have owned facilities for either gyms or martial arts schools. And I just know the absolute nightmares those can be yeah. and the headaches they can be. And no, <laughs> especially since most of my approaches are, here's how to get in shape without a gym, kids. You know, <laughs> here's how you can be in shape without having to depend on a facility because the ability to train and condition the body is something I believe everyone should have access to that ability. Agreed. Everybody, regardless of your age or your economic status or your circumstances and environment should have the resources and tools to say, I want to get stronger and healthier and fitter mm -hmm. and stuff. And everybody should be able to do that. And the second we become dependent upon in this place, with this equipment, it can only happen under these circumstances. We are limiting our flexibility and our ability to do that around the world. Yeah. And so my approach has long been, here's how we can do it without having to depend on those things. And I still believe that's really what it should be. I'm always telling, friends, I told a guy today, it's like every uh, apartment and house and stuff, part of building code should have a pull-up bar in it. Part of the yeah. standard legalized United States building code should have a pull-up bar. And for the simple reason of not just, I can't do pull-ups and stuff, but hang off of it. Yeah. Just it's the great for shoulder to health too. Just so many shoulder people have shoulder health, Exactly. Issues. You can hang suspension straps off of it. You can hang uh, bands off of it. You can hang plants off of it. You just don't even want to do anything. 
but we should have the ability to hang our body weight in any living space uh, that is built to code just because it opens up that door of at least something. Even if you're like world-class athlete, having at least that gives you the options to condition your body in, a, in several ways with just that. Agreed. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great, great point. Um, how do you, and my, I have a daughter, she's about to be five. And one thing I'm, I, she's expressed an interest in, she's seen me practice Taekwondo and, and do it here around the house. And she's expressing an interest in wanting to learn that she's already in gymnastics and swim. And I'm, I'm trying to decide, do I take that, that responsibility and teach her myself at the same time? I wonder if she struggles to learn something, am I going to have that typical parent reaction of getting frustrated and, you know, driving her to, to not like it. So mm-hmm. then I'm wondering, all right, let me go start scouting out the different uh, Taekwondo schools in the area. And I'm always hesitant because there's one right next to her swim, swim school, but it is one of these like pay to play things to where, hey, every three months, regardless of your technique, you're paying us 500 bucks. We're going to bump you up the next rung mm-hmm. on the ladder or like they have white belts doing board breaks and they're like, I saw one of the tests one day and they start flexing the boards for the kids so they can kick. <laughs> them. I thought, That's not teaching them a damn thing. So it's what, when you're assessing a school, when you like, say you, when you moved to Colorado, how did you go about vetting the different schools that you were at? Or did you have a connection that said, and a friend that said, Hey, this is the, the legit place to go. Well, I, I kind of had a, a single uh, type of, you know, um, I can't think of the word qualifying uh, metrics that I was after because I had been training under the same instructor uh, in a particular faction of Taekwondo since I was 10. And one of the big reasons why I even stayed living in my hometown of Vermont was because it's like there, it wasn't a very popular uh, style of Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, if I leave, there goes my Taekwondo career. And so I stayed largely just for the school. I was like, well, I, and I became very dependent on it. And then eventually I just couldn't stand being in Vermont anymore. I did move out to Colorado. And for Mm -hmm. years, I was like, I'm not even going to bother to look at like every once in a while, I put out the feelers on the internet and be like, any such and so Taekwondo schools out here? No, no, no. And I'd find a Taekwondo school in my town. I like, are you guys doing X, Y, and Z? No, well, we don't do All right, fine. So I just figured it never happened. And one day I was telling a friend and he was like, oh, I think I know of that. You should check out this one place up in Arvada. And I checked out their Facebook page and everything they were doing. I was like, I know that drill. I know that exercise. Oh, good. Okay. So I, that's how I got the ball rolling. This is like, this is the way I want to do it. Are yeah. you guys seem to be doing the same thing? And they're like, yeah, it's pretty much the same. Come on in. And that was all I, all I needed to know. And I'm very fortunate because they are a very good school. The instructors are very good. Uh, the quality is outstanding. Um, and it's, quite to the opposite. In fact, he was handing out test papers the other day uh, for colored belts who need to take the written exam before their testing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, um, you didn't pass next time. You know, you didn't pass next time. Awesome. Like, I don't like telling people you didn't pass your testing or you're not good enough to rank yet. But, yeah. you know, if I want you guys to be good black belts, I need you to adhere to, of course, the quality standards at the lower ranks. Correct. Otherwise, you're going to be a bad black belt. This yeah. is to make you a better, and uh, you know, it's that kind of school. It's like, if you're not ready and you're not proficient enough, we will hold you back uh, until you are ready. And then we can advance you. And that, that even happened to me because when I was yeah. uh, there and my, the instructor was like, okay, so when was the last time you tested? And I told yeah. him and 
like time-wise, I'm like way overdue to test for my next one. Yeah. And he's like, all right, let's look at November of this year. And I'm like, oh, oh okay, I got some work to do kind of thing. But yeah. then he went and had a meeting with higher ups and stuff. And a couple of weeks later, he came to me. He's like, okay, got good news, bad news. I'm like, <laughs> all right, what's the good news? And he's like, well, uh, the higher ups, you know, the boards in it, they like you and mm -hmm. they want you to stay. So I was like in a probation period for the, to be worthy of school and rank. They're like, right. you can keep your rank and you're here at the school. I'm like, mm -hmm. good, okay, I, I like passed muster kind of thing. Yeah. And he's like, but the bad news is they don't want you to test yet, probably next year. And inside I was kind of like, oh God, thank God. Like, I do not <laughs> feel like I am gonna be quite ready by November. I was like, hey, yeah. not a problem. But again, it was a sign of like, you might be able to make it, you might, let's hold you back, let's hold you back. And I'm always yeah. like, fine by me, great, wonderful. I don't wanna right. be that guy who ascends to a rank and isn't quite worthy of it. Like you represent your rank, you represent your school. And even in the fitness world, you represent your gym, you represent your results. If you're a big jacked, strong dude, but you're a complete asshole, you're giving other strong individuals a bad name. You represent something. Correct. And I don't want to set a bad example. It's just that yeah. simple. I want to set a good example of what I represent. And we're all flawed. We don't do everything perfectly all the time, but I certainly don't want people, you know, cutting corners for my sake and thinking they're gonna hurt my feelings or anything. I'm like, no, if I do something wrong, you know, tell me, yell at me, go for it. You know, you, you're not, not gonna hurt my feelings about it. Right, yeah, no, that's good to hear. Cause like you said, like our style, it, it was, it's Taekwondo, but it's not the traditional like ATF or World Taekwondo Association. Like we, we always competed in open tournaments. And so ours was um, America, like it was Americanized Taekwondo. And so when Junri came over from Korea, then like his style filtered out and then it went into Texas and the guys at the Texas tournaments were getting their asses kicked doing traditional Taekwondo. So then they took some of the techniques and some of the other kicks and tweaked it slightly. And then that, that's where my teacher learned from the guy that had developed it in Texas. And that's where he set up his base of operations in Louisiana. And our school came from that. So I'm always kind of hesitant. Like you said, you know, when you, when you're in a new area, we're in Texas now, I'm wondering how do I go about vetting these schools, even just for my own thing? Like, do I want to keep just working out? To, but the school closed in Louisiana, my senior year of college. And that's, you know, 15 years ago now, 15, 16 years ago. So, and I've just been doing it by myself on my own here uh, or wherever we, we happen to be living at the time. And so I'm wondering, all right, you know, how are they, how does it work me? Like, do I still enter as a black belt? Are they going to bump me down to like blue belt? And I'm working my, like, I don't have a problem reworking my way up. It just, I'm wondering yeah. how do I go and vet or even broker that first conversation? So, all right, that's, that's good to see. Um, mm -hmm. That's, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. that. That's something I've always been concerned or curious about. Yeah. And we get so hung up on rank and, you know, how yeah. long are you training and stuff? Look, at the end of the day, it boils down to what can you do? Right. You know, what can you, what's your sidekick like? Like I have the same rank I did, you know, several years ago, mm -hmm. but my sidekick is a hell of a lot better right now. My hips yeah. are a lot stronger. My stability is a lot better and stuff. If you came to me and you're like, okay, we can give you a different rank, but you're going to be doing the same things at the same level as you were five years ago. I'd be like, oh, hell no. The whole point is to do better. Whether Correct. or not I have extra stripes on my belt or patches on my uniform, it's like, Great, that's nice. I'm not saying I don't care. I do, but yeah. it's not what I'm there for. <laughs> right. The ability to move and feel good and strong and powerful and proficient, that's really what it's all about in both yeah. the gym 
and in the Taekwondo school. And as long as we keep that the focus, that's what we will get. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Very, very well said. Um, are you working on the, the two set training program that you have? Is that going to be morphed into a book either this year or next year for release? I don't know. Um, right now, it's a protocol that I've just been sharing and using with clients. And mm -hmm. it's something that's been developing for probably about three or four months now. Mm -hmm. And it's been going great. But even like now talking to you, you know, it's still under development. It's mm -hmm. still I'm still learning like how to protocol it and stuff. So I might turn it into an ebook. It might become just a supplement to grind style calisthenics. Yeah. Uh, because we can certainly employ this in uh, GSC type of way. Uh, yeah. it, there's a number of ways. I don't know quite what I'm going to do with it now. And like true to form, I give all of my information out there you yeah. know, on my podcast. I had an episode on it and I yeah. my videos and stuff. So there's nothing in my books and stuff that isn't already out there. The books are just a quick and easy way to consume the most important stuff. So right now I'm just learning and I'm getting feedback from people and I'm developing it. And if it turns into something great, and if not, it's a cool protocol and people are having fun with it. Yeah. Uh, two questions along the, the RDP side of things, the business side of things. Do you get a professional editor or anything like that for your books or is everything self-edited, self-published? And then what are you using for your backend as far as hosting the platform? Is it a WordPress site or is it through Shopify, Squarespace or any of those kind of things? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty standard, basic stuff. It is all self done for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, edit it myself. I have a very simple template and style that I adopted years ago. But every time I write a new book, I have a new structure because it just mm -hmm. upgrades. It gets better right. over time, like the new one that I'm writing right now has a new way of presenting the exercises and everything that you basically need to know to get started is on one page in one single image. Yeah. And it's really quick and easy, you know, reference point to get started with. So every book changes a little bit and I do it in just a Google doc and it's integrated with Grammarly. Mm -hmm. And so Grammarly, I go with the premium models and stuff and I edit it like, you know, a bazillion gajillion times and yeah. stuff. And it's, it's weird, like when you're a writer, I swear, like grammatical errors and spelling errors and stuff, they grow. Yeah. In Vermont, we have a saying that in the spring, uh, rocks grow under the ground because you could have a perfectly plowed field in the summer. And then over the course of the winter, because of frost heaves and all these other sorts of things, it would be full of rocks in the spring and you got to take rocks out of the field again. It's like, and that's where the joke comes from of like rocks grow in the spring, like yeah. over the winter, your field grows rocks because it's what it literally looks like. And that's the same thing with my experience with uh, books is I can edit it a million times, have editors go through it, which I have had done. And then great. It's perfect. It's pristine. It's wonderful. Put it out there. And then Amazon's like, you know, you got five spelling errors in this paragraph. And it's like, where do these come from? I've been through this a million times. I've had editors look at it. How do these errors just grow out of nothing? So, you know, that's a great thing about Amazon is if you have er errors and stuff, it will say, uh, you got a couple things here and you can oh, go cool. through and you can switch and fix them. But yeah, it's just all through Google Docs, Grammarly. I have a graphic design program that I make all my images in mm -hmm. and uh, that's pretty quick and easy. And then you just upload it to Amazon as a PDF yeah. and you got a book. And then for the Red Delta website, are you, what yep. are you using for that? Is that WordPress or is that? Yep, it's just a standard WordPress with a, I believe it's Themify. Mm -hmm. 
uh, for the theme. Uh, it yeah. gives me a lot of customization. And I got the Blueberry uh, plug in there. So it becomes yeah. the host for my podcast as well. And um, I use the same service you have here, StreamYard, mm -hmm. for uh, the interviews and Your things. Vibes, and yeah. when I do my live stream every Saturday, uh, you know, I'll just hop on stream, uh, StreamYard and I'll do my live feed Q&A. I'll take the audio for that, edit that down. And that's my podcast as well. Yep. And I'll take some of the questions sometimes and I'll put that on social media. So that's social media content. And yeah, it's just using these tools in multiple ways. Perfect. Um, let's transition. I know you're not a huge supplement user, at least in our past conversations. You said you've kept hmm. things pretty minimal. Has that changed at all? Um, I know you do, lot. you do like your typical monster every now and then, or I remember you yeah. mentioning like, you like, you like a monster or two a day. Do you use any other kind of pre-workout or do you have a preferred energy drink aside from monster that you, well, like for workouts, I've got the, we've got this stuff out here called fast lane tea. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a black tea from celestial tea up in Boulder. And it's a, it's a black tea that is actually quite hard to find. You won't find it in stores. You either get it online or in the shop itself. You have to go up there to get it. And the funny thing is I mentioned last fall to a couple of friends, like, I love this fast lane, but it's such a pain to go up to Boulder to go get it kind of thing. And mm -hmm. like all these people just gave me fast lane uh, for Christmas. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, I heard you like this. I was at the Boulder shop and I've got like 14 cases of it now Sweet. in my closet. <laughs> people come over and they're like, whoa. I'm like, yeah. Somebody likes tea. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of that, but it is the best pre-workout, I swear, because it's a black tea. It's caffeinated, of course, mm -hmm. but it is such a mellow, gentle rise in energy and focus. I, I don't feel jittery at all. I'm not like this, you know, mm -hmm. during the workouts. I don't, believe it or not, I do not do very well with caffeine during my workouts. Yeah. Um, I just find it disrupts my focus. It disrupts mm -hmm. my ability to use energy very well. Um, it just is, it's too much. It's like overloading my system or something yeah, but that fast sense. lane. I drink it. Uh, and it's like, you just cannot have a bad workout when I've drunk that stuff. So yeah, yeah fast lane, I take a vitamin pill, uh, and it's just a standard capsule that breaks down and stuff I get from uh, the local, uh, supplement, uh, and uh, natural grocers out here. Mm -hmm that we have uh, vitamin D because even though we get 300 days of sun a year, uh, vitamin D is always still an issue because I live indoors half the time. Yep. The ironic thing of being a trainer is you actually spend a lot of time indoors, not being very active because you're telling other people to go outside <laughs> and be active. And uh, yeah, so that's basically the, the bulk of it there. Is okay. Tea, vitamin, vitamin D. Yeah. Is, is it come in and I, I'm, I realize I'm getting on like Nat's ass details, but this is more just like me. Like I love coffee. I love tea, bourbon and like, all, like the art and kind of, you know, the, the finesse that goes into these things. So is it loose leaf tea? Is it little bags of tea? You know, how do you, and do you have a preferred brewing method? Do you tea kettle? Do you use like a French press to put the tea in and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's it, the fast lane is in bags mm -hmm. and I usually use a fat uh, French press. So tea kettle, boil it, put it in the French press, two bags in the French press. And I do a loose leaf tea as well. We have a really good tea shop here in Littleton, Colorado called mm -hmm. In Tea. And they have a collection of yerba mates. So if I can't get black tea, yerba mate is the next best thing. Yeah. Uh, and they have a lot of different yerba mates. I got a mango yerba mate. And that's loose leaf. You put it in there. French press works like a charm. It's really, really tasty. 
and the same sort of deal, you know, black teas seem to suit me very well. It's not jittery and up, but it's just, it's almost like nature's Adderall for me, just zeroed in focus. And I can really get whatever I'm working on done in a very uh, concentrated manner. Cool. I'm, I've never tried, like I've, I've had like Yerba Monte extracts and stuff in different pre-workouts that I've experimented with over the years, but I've never actually drank or consumed yerba mate in its quote unquote natural form, like actually making a tea out of it or anything like that. I know they sell it at the store. I've just never tried it. I'm more yeah, of a coffee. You can and get tea like guy. the yellow cans of it, which is yeah. good and stuff. But yeah, if you can get the real loose leaf stuff brewing, because then you can adjust how much of it is in the French press and right. all these other sorts of things, that that's the best way to really consume it and how strong you want it. Okay. Um I know you said you've enjoyed a beer or two over the time. Do you have a preferred style of beer? Like, do you like IPAs, Saison, sour beers, porters, stouts, or is it kind of seasonal or what your mood is dependent upon? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big IPA guy. I love a good IPA. I just got a fridge of um, some beers out from Vermont. They, the Alchemist Brewing, uh, they make a beer cool. called the Heady Topper and the Focal Banger, which when they start, started making it, it was really hard to get even in Vermont and out mm -hmm. here in Colorado, it's impossible, but I've got some friends who have a liquor store and they import a lot. And every once in a while they get some in and they call me up and they're like, okay, back in stock. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on my way <laughs> kind of thing Sweet. because it, it's just an, it's a hoppy IPA punch to the face. Yeah. Like one can is plenty to make you feel a pretty good buzz. It's pretty high alcohol content. So yeah. it's nothing you would drink very casually. It, and and it's not cheap to get either. A four pack is like, you know, 25 bucks out here and stuff. Whoa. So it's, it's a treat. So it's like, yeah. okay, tonight I just did this great thing or whatever. Yeah. It's a heady topper kind of night. It's not a casual drinking thing. We've got um, some beers out here. One is called Voodoo Ranger and it's kind of mm -hmm. like an IPA. I've seen that one. Cheap. Yeah. yeah it's like two ninety nine for a tall boy kind of thing. If I'm yeah. just saturday night let's get a beer okay that that's usually my go-to is like a voodoo ranger kind of thing yeah the craft brewery scene in colorado i mean like of the places where craft brewing really got popular you know several years back colorado was kind of one of like the the hotbeds of it that was one spot i think somewhere else on the west coast was too i mean obviously california was but i think somewhere like in is it portland washington i think had a pretty good big craft brewing scene. i knew colorado did at the same time too so mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's huge out here. I mean, you can't, yeah. we've got more craft breweries than we have Starbucks. I swear. It's <laughs> amazing. I went out last night with a friend of mine and he's like, mm -hmm. we got another one. I'm like, okay, let's check this one out. And that one's mm -hmm. kind of a neat style because you have your credit card linked to kind of like a, like a hotel key mm -hmm. card, you know, yeah. and it's pour your own. So it's just yeah. a bank of taps and you just put your card in one and you can sample all the different kind. You're like, oh, I like that one. So you can pour as much as you want. And then they charge according to what was on that mm -hmm. card and everything. And that was a pretty cool thing last night. Yeah, they, a we've got red. a place out here like that. It's not an actual uh, brewery, but they've partnered with a bunch of the local breweries and distilleries around here. And so you can either do, you, they have a, a, a liquor section at the place, but the, the pour your own stuff is a bunch of different beers or wines for the people that like wine. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's a pretty good, cause they've got a good sampling of like the whole rainbow. You get the, the, the Pilsners, the lagers, IPAs, stouts, porters, ambers. Um, I, I tend to gravitate towards the darker end of the spectrum. So like Amber on down is where I, I really like, it's gotta be, I'm not much for the lighter beers or like super hoppy IPAs. I've just never developed that, that, uh, affinity for that kind of, uh, flavor profile. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty much, if I'm at a, 
a bar or something and like, Oh, we've got this red. I'm like that, you know, I, I gotta have yeah. a red amber style beer. Uh, yeah. if it's on tap kind of thing, it's yeah. The light stuff. I, we have Coors brewery out here in golden. I've never had Coors, <laughs> not once. No. I've almost never done the lighter stuff. It's always gotta be the more heavy stuff too. Yeah. What is that? Your, is that an energy drink or what is it? No, this is just seltzer water. So oh, okay. is, I saw uh, the blue. I thought it was like a Sam Adams logo for no. a second. Oh, is that <laughs> yeah. <Sam> IPAs, <laughs> PBRs. No, they, um, Kroger uh, is this one of the brands the for the stores, local yeah. grocery store. And you can get a case of these for like two bucks. It's great. Yeah. yeah when we lived in Michigan in 2015, that, there was, that was the grocery store right down the street from us. And we loved it. They always had awesome produce selection there and, and everything. So mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. anything else you'd like to cover before, uh, I let you go, Matt. Anything you want to Not plug a or lot. This has been a lot anything? of fun. Rara, it's always good to talk to you. It's always great to see you. I'm glad you're doing well. I hope everybody's healthy and well in your neck of the woods. Yes. Yeah. I mean, overall, yeah. Like me, my brother and sister were going, we're doing well. My dad uh, has open heart bypass surgery coming up on Tuesday. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed that everything goes well with that. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah, like the rest of the family is happy, healthy. My in-laws are in, in town visiting right now. We've got a, a funeral and a wedding to go to over the course of the next couple of days. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it overall, everybody is, is happy and healthy. And like the, the prognosis for my dad's surgery is supposed to be really good. He's 65. Now this is supposed to be like another like 20 year good surgery. Like he'll be good mm-hmm. for another 20 years. Like that the heart's not going to be the thing that's going to go out. Um, good. And so, yeah, all of that, all that seems good. Yeah. So, yeah. Let me, Hopefully let me know how things go. And with that, please yeah. shoot me a quick email or something. Let me know he's okay. Hey man, I appreciate it. Now, what, what about on your end? All is happy yeah. and healthy and everything? Everything's good and, and great. I'm going back to Vermont in about a week for my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, that's um, awesome. Everybody's pretty healthy. We've Congrats gotten a couple of, a uh, few folks in the, uh, gym scene here, a, a case of COVID's gone around. So I've had a few clients yeah. out with COVID lately, but uh, yeah. not too much of a serious deal there. And yeah, yeah I'm healthy and strong and feeling great. Awesome. Um, last thing, where can everybody find you? I always include links to it, but if you want to you sure. know, plug a, a certain link or if you got any kind of a sponsorship or discount code you want to drop to, that's free. Sure. feel free yeah. to drop. RedDeltaProject.com is everything is there. If you check out the Red Delta Project YouTube channel, uh, down in the description, you'll find resources to everything I offer, including a lot of the brands that I affiliate with, with the discount codes for things like rings, pull-up bars, suspension trainers and stuff. Uh, They're in the description of pretty much every one of my YouTube videos that you can take advantage of those discount codes. And I got a ton of equipment reviews. I've got equipment review playlist on my YouTube channel as well. So if you're looking to explore some new home equipment, that's a good place to go uh, for that. And uh, yeah, most of the the best stuff I have is all on my YouTube channel or on my podcast. And the podcast is just the live feeds that I have on the YouTube channel. So if you go in the live section of my channel, that's essentially my podcast or you can get the audio version on your podcast directory. Perfect. Awesome, Matt. I'll include links to everything. And thank you so much for uh, your time. And I always enjoy our chats and I look forward to uh, the next one down the road. Dude, this was great. Thank you so very, very much. Awesome.